This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Tim. <laughs> Welcome to episode 44 of Dismembering Horror. How annoying is that for the listener? <laughs> Well, hopefully they just watched this romp of a film we watched and did the exact same thing we did and made Swamp Thing noises throughout it. Swamp Thing friend. (laughs) I like how he becomes uh, sort of like a caveman. It's like, what's the connection? Well, I think that's... You mean mean we... In in Translated Through Us, he becomes a caveman? Yes. Because he doesn't in the movie. Got it. Yeah. Um, and welcome everyone, as I just said, I mean, a Swamp Thing just said, let me repeat it in case you missed it. Welcome to episode 24 of Dismembering Horror. And and what is that Swamp Thing? The podcast <laughs> show where we... Uh, okay, I'll get, I'll get this one. Mangy! Okay, okay. No, okay, I got this. It's the, sorry, you'll, we should just have rehearsed it. It's not your fault. Okay, this is the podcast show, horror movie show. Where we dismember horror. We're going to talk about, Tim Aslan and I are going to talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything interesting or noteworthy in, uh, right. in these horror films we're watching. Yeah. And we're watching ones that are, they're, they're ones that were like, oh yeah, I want to see that. I haven't seen that for a while. All while just sort of like wanting to see if we can find something that's really scary or or interesting or what's out there. Yeah, that's, to me, that's that's it. That's the goal. Let's fill our holes. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of knowledge. Oh right, those holes. Um, and and uh, well, get that of, scare on. Kind of excited to, to talk about this. Actually, I didn't think I was <laughs> after we watched it, but we've had a large gap, and I've it's now I've grown to be excited. There's yeah. one thing from last episode I wanted to Ooh. not talk about, but just say for the record, because this is the time in the show where we do that, if there's anything to revisit from yes. previous episodes. I think you, you would call this um, housekeeping. Yeah. Housekeeping is, uh, well, when we were talking about Arnold, yeah. if you were with us for that episode or watched that film, Tim, you were explaining as like, you're kind of rec- who could I recommend this to? And you're saying like, yeah, well, if you like laughing and the monkeys and shit like that, then you should, you know, check this out. I yes. just want to say I like, if not love, the monkeys, and I did not like <laughs> Arnold. Fair enough. That's it. Um, I'm not going to argue with you. No, there's nothing. No. Yes. <laughs> no. It I'm, is like the monkeys. <laughs> I'm just evidence. I of... would I would have to agree the monkeys is a better 
piece of art. A pop, yeah, exactly. <laughs> pop art than uh, Arnold. Great. So we can't agree on that. Then. God, I loved me some monkeys when I was like 10. Uh, you should re- like check out the movie Head as an adult. It's um it's their movie Have made with the, like the Jack Nicholson production company from the late sixties hmm. where they that made like Easy Rider and five oh, easy shit. pieces yeah, yeah. and stuff. And it's the monkeys kind of in a in a well in like a very very out there experimental psychedelic way, like okay. kind of playing with their self awareness of their image and that they're a manufactured image and are we a real band? Oh, da 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 all that stuff. So it's like very um meta yes exactly <laughs> that sounds um, cool <laughs> not a horror film but should we get into talking about this week's horror film do you have anything else yes all right well we watched i mean no i don't have anything else yes we should, yes, get we into should it. watch it well then uh we're gonna start off playing a little bit of this trailer for 1982's swamp thing <laughs> <laughs> Government agents, scientists, soldiers, master criminals, secret formulas, monsters, and midgets. None of them belong in this swamp. Only one thing does. The Swamp Thing. Uh huh. Here comes trouble. The swamp thing. Think less neighborhood. I forgot swamp thing was here. I'm glad he he, he perked in. And he, he just left. <laughs> yeah, he he left between well during the trailer. <laughs> He's he, like, I've seen this. He gets pretty embarrassed seeing himself on screen, <laughs> um, especially in that outfit. Yeah. So this was. <laughs> Right. He takes off the Swamp Thing outfit. It's like this really like photorealistic Swamp Thing. Yeah. Who is it? Oh, hey, Swamp Thing. That's not my best costume. Jesus. How many years later? Like He's, he's still upset about it. <laughs> yeah. God. Give um, me a break. Yeah. We're, we aren't quite ready for our first guest on this show, but, yeah, you know, keep him out. we wanted him in the room if uh, he wanted to be here. Um, yeah, well, this was like a, you know, I think we were just interested. I, I, I'm pretty sure I added this to the list and was just like, oh yeah, Wes Craven movie. I think I've seen this movie. I'd be curious to see what that, it is. That, I agree. That's sort of what my interest was. Is like, you know, I didn't expect it. Knowing, I, I don't know. Do you, do you read comic books at all? No, I read like. Like stuff that wasn't originally comic books, like Ren and Stimpy okay. and Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles, like yeah, that was the, cool. the, the cartoon version right, as, right. as a kid. Yeah. Well, those this. Ninja Turtle, the original Ninja Turtle comic graphic novel I had as a kid, mm-hmm. it's really dark. I had the first issue. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's like the original is in black and white and yeah. it is not for kids. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a kind of a uh, an attempted spinoff by the writers out they they were they placed the ninja turtles in that first book in the daredevil universe and there's like a couple nods in it to to 
say. Is like, that like mean it's darker DC tone? It's Mar- well, it's Marvel. Daredevil is Marvel, but the I I think I don't know what happened with the who owned Ninja Turtles ultimately. But originally these guys just were like, we're going to write this comic. It's going to exist in the Daredevil universe. Okay. So Daredevil universe is quite dark. Well, we're talking about a different green creature right. today. So point being, <laughs> what was my point? I don't know. That's why I'm Oh, saying. comic books. I asked yeah. you about comic books. So like I grew up reading comic books quite a lot. I did not read DC, hmm. which is what Swamp Thing is under. Um, but I knew of him just sort of, you just kind of know he exists and whatever. And like, I was excited to see this movie because it's like, you know, it's, it's a horror, what, what we would consider a horror director taking on a comic book. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, Swamp Thing is known to be kind of this, I think there's a term that they use that I can never remember, but it's kind of a gothic horror noir type style. Well, um, yeah, and I'm interested to hear your and comic book fan perspective throughout yeah. this. So I wanted to get into it from that point of view um, and to see what Wes Craven at that time was going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, interesting. <laughs> and uh, he did something with it. Well, then how would you, how would we, how would you rate it after the, we do a summary oh, of it? Oh, should we do a summary? Yeah. Okay, I'll do a summary of the movie. Here we go. Alec Holland. Wait, is that right? Yes. (laughs) Alec Holland is a scientist studying plants in the swamp. Cable something or other. Alice Cable. Alice. Okay. Alice Cable is a new FBI agent. She's us. She's the audience. And she shows up. She takes the place of a guy who's like, fuck this swamp. I'm out of here. And... Through some... He who gets killed. He's the guy that gets killed at the beginning, right? No, he's not. He's the guy who jumps on the helicopter and is like, fuck this, I'm out of here. (laughs) Okay. Right? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So Alec and Alice are in the swamp. And then unnamed guerrilla warfare guys show up and basically blow his lab up. And in doing so, his newest discovery is... I guess sort of he he it's what? tossed on him and he blows up and he falls yeah. in the swamp and that chemical reaction causes him to turn into the swamp thing. And then the summary the is there's there's a bad <laughs> there's bad guys trying to get swamp thing. There's the, they want the serum. They so want he the made serum. a serum that may that potentially makes everything more enhanced and grow. You know super fast and 10 times right. bigger. And so the, they want to weaponize it. There, or there's whatever. the rich bad guy, right. Anton Arcane and his minions, yeah. henchmen who want to, who, yeah. why do they have it out for the woman, Alice? Well, they're like, just trying to, they're like, get her. Let's kill her. Get, get her. I think the only conceit you can make on that is that they know that Swamp Thing protected her that one time. Okay. So, and so they're like, get, if we get her, we get him. Right. I think that's the angle. And then the summary of the movie is they are trying to get Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing, slash her, slash slash the serum, serum. and Swamp (laughs) Thing saves her every time and she gets scared and runs away until she stops doing that. She progressively shows more boobs. Yeah. Which she apparently, and there's an international cut that showed. Or I heard. I heard some guy talking (laughs) about it down the street. No, I read it. (laughs) Hey, I just watched that film. No, I, he wasn't even talking to me. He was just talking. 
He was talking to a plant, and he was like, "Yeah, remember in Swamp Thing?" Well, we're just one step removed from that. <laughs> this could just be one of us doing this podcast. It's true. <laughs> what if it was just one of us? Like, what if, what if this whole time it was just one guy in a room? Like, yeah, one of us doing the voice, and of he's just one. really good at overlapping his own. So is that two character Tim dialogue. who's really good at it, Ryan who's really good at I, doing it, or are they both characters? Uh, I think they're both characters. Right. Anyways. Let's make that movie. <laughs> okay, great summary. <laughs> if you didn't watch it already, how now how would we rate it? Oh, God. I just... Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. At all. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> I was, I so much would, I wanted to see a different version of this. Like okay. even like five minutes in, I was like, no, I don't want this one. I want a different one. I want a newer one that's cooler and higher production value and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So being a brat, basically. Yeah. So for me, telling myself, I, I would tell myself to avoid this. Mm. Unfortunately. God, I'm. That's fine. It's like the fourth avoid I've ever said. I've, uh, I was thinking like, actually it's interesting because we usually, we had, uh, we usually, we're recording this a little more removed about a, like six days removed, five days removed than when we normally do it just like the next couple days. Um, and I think it's grown on me more in that, like <laughs> what I've liked about it has risen to the really? top, you know, <laughs> rather than just being to the to so to the like the top of the the, bog. the mire, the swamp. So you're, you're just you're the scum. You're <laughs> yeah. like the bog scum on the top of the bog there. Right, but you know, there's beauty in the swamp, Tim. <laughs> if you know where to look Listen, for it, I love green stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so I was first. I like was thinking, oh, you know, I was getting more excited about it and thinking, oh, it actually want me to rent it. But then I remembered, no, like stream it to me. It's not, it's not, oh yeah, whatever. It's, you can just stream it. I'm like, no, it's still your time. Yeah. Like stream it shouldn't just be, it's like, yeah, you know, you know. It's not a throwaway. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I give it a stream it as in like, it was a curiosity that satisfied a curiosity and then some and, and that, and then some was just enough some. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And like, you'll hear when I talk about what worked for me, there's, you know, a good amount. Wow. <laughs> Choice cool. moments. Yeah. That, as I said, things rose to the top uh -huh. now that we've uh, had some time to let it simmer. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I like it when we disagree. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, then let's see what we get into what worked. Yeah. What what worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked? What worked? What worked? What worked, Tim? I don't know. What worked? Do you want me to tell you what I thought worked? <sighs> okay. No. I'm going to tell you what worked for me. Great. If you're looking at it just from a, a sort of entertainment standpoint, the campiness, deliberate campiness worked for me. Like the Rambo guy <laughs> and the Bruno guy. Basically the henchman. The henchman. The henchman worked for me as much as I hate, like, they're so dumb and cheesy. 
I can kind of get on board with how like appreciating that that's just what it is. It's I, funny. Yeah. I mean, it's actually funny. And how like, fun was Bruno it? Bruno at like, one point is yeah. just wandering around with his his pants tucked up to his nipples, and it, and he's got a hat on that's got like three branches on it, like he's camouflage. I mean, it's, that shit's funny. Yeah, the two main henchmen were this pudgy guy Bruno and this like Rambo ass Ram, Rambo esque like Rambo permed. You guy. can call him Rambo ass. <laughs> <laughs> well. I had that too. I mean, the henchmen. I wrote, yeah, R- Rambo Perm guy and Bruno. Like, yeah, they were fun, and um, you know, and what was fun too was keeping track of them, watching it with you. It's like, <laughs> oh, this guy. Oh, did he die? Oh, it's him. Oh, he yep. popped up, and seeing where you know what fates they had, and the the guy, the Rambo guy, he was just like incessant, you know, and <laughs> going after yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, at what point... So this, I think this is an interesting debate to have because it almost depends just on, like, your mood at the moment. How willing are you to get into camp, cheesy, just stupid, you know, like, and... Or not, like, at at any given time, like, I might really be like, I just... I'm mad at, at so that. This is where but sometimes not. This is where we differ because I'm extremely willing to go there. Yeah, it really depends for me. Like at at a certain point toward toward the beginning, sort of after that like clunky setup, it <laughs> sunk in how goofy, campy, corny it all was and knew that it was, it felt like. Yeah, I agree. I think it knew. And then I was able to really revel in that. For example, the screen wipes yes like they knew i mean i know what they're doing they're sort of saying this is a comic book movie so we gotta we gotta liven up the uh the scene transitions with some dumb wipes so yeah like you know after an explosion the wipe is like a fucking in the shape of a cartoon explosion and it like (laughs) you know blacks out the screen (laughs) so shit like that is funny i loved it it's so dumb I don't like, like, whatever. I don't know, like, dumb, <laughs> like, I don't think of dumb as a bad thing, you know? Like, I love it. Like, that was, it was comic booky to me. I liked seeing something that felt like it was a comic book movie. Sure. You know, in sort of not being familiar with them, it's just sort of having that sort of, like, yeah, yeah, n- yeah. know the generalities of maybe the more classic comic books, what you think of it. Like, the comic book transitions that you mentioned, the bad guys we already mentioned, the henchmen, the setting of like the rich person with the house and oh the swamp. God, yeah. And then like, and you know, certain moments of course, and then like the, the green lighting and the colored lighting. <laughs> and when I just said some moments, some of the kind of like James Bondy moment, I don't know sure. how else, you know, I would call them more a team. Yeah. Moments. Yeah. But in this setting, it felt like yeah. it in the eighties aesthetic, of course. Absolutely. But all that for me was like, yeah, this is a, I, I dug all that. This is a comic book movie on display. Yeah. Well. And it delivered for me on, like, when I was like, well, what's a Swamp Thing movie? I'm like, there's like a Swamp Thing going around in the swamp. There's like the woman, they're like guns. They're trying to kill each other. And there's like, a, you know, like, <laughs> like there's a lab that blew up. Like, this is. This is, I can't think of what else I would want as far as content, as far as situation and story, <laughs> you know, it like That's fully it. delivered it, on wow. a Swamp Thing movie Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> in I that, that story sense, like for the most part. Yeah. And I think that they did, they did what you kind of would expect them to do 
with the source material. Yeah. Right? That comic had been around for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and the I think the initial run of it had already ended, so there was sort of... There's a couple years in between the end of the run and this movie being made. Oh, so it was like, here is the canon of Swamp Thing from which we yeah. can adapt. I mean, it was fairly young at the time, right? So, and and had ended, like they weren't making more Swamp Thing comics at mm-hmm. the time. And so whoever got the rights to it were like, let's do, let's do a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which, coincidentally, made the comic, you know, DC then re-upped and wrote a bunch more Swamp Thing stuff because of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so Right, get him in, get him back in the... And to be honest, the stuff that came after the movie, comic book-wise, is is pretty... There's some pretty sweet stuff. That I'd imagine, because so, it's yeah. like, then they have to say, well, what else can we do with it? They have a new perspective on it all. And they handed it over to people who are, like, world-renowned. It's, like, the fucking best comic book writers. Yeah. Um, well, in particular, Alan Moore, who's... Oh, really? Yeah, Alan Moore was in the second volume of this comic book. Like, he was the writer on it. I'd be curious to read that. Yeah, I've been, I've heard, you know, in my sort of listening to other stuff, and I've heard recommendations um, to specifically read his run of Swamp Thing. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not a Swamp Thing fan, that that's like a worthwhile thing to get into. He elevates it. Yeah. Which you would expect. He's, you know, he's Alan Moore. Um. Anyway. I, I have a few more 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 general. Let things. me guess. I want to guess one of your non-general things. Okay, it's, it's we... got to be Ray Wise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's fucking great, right? <laughs> so Ray Wise is the actor who plays Alec Holland. Yeah. Pre turning into Swamp Thing, then they cast another uh, actor to be in the suit and all that. Yeah. Which, yeah, so Ray Wise, like, I know him from Twin Peaks fame, and this was, like, a young Ray Wise. And it was just, like, he's hardly in it, actually. But What do you think screen time he's got? I like Do you think it's seven it's, minutes? Yeah, I think it's under ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, like, what, a, what an impact he has. And it was, like, <laughs> even though he's not in it literally at all, it was, like, him being the jumping off point helped with the character and everything. Yeah, yeah. I see that. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, you're right. I loved him. That was uh, the, uh, one of my specific things. Like, And whatever I wrote, actually what I wrote about it was I said, whatever Ray Wise we had, I, I gladly took, you know? <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, now can do I... You, do you have other stuff? I'm trying yes. to think of... Well, now... I can, don't. Can I say, like, yeah, my more, <laughs> my more general things than the specific things? Yes. Um... Trying to sort of hone in on, on like, the, the the what came before of what was informing this movie. I thought it was cool how it was, like, felt like, like I could see sort of the old monster comics in it as well as the old monster movies in it. I, yes, you know, I totally where agree. Where it was, like, it felt like the sort of, you know, Wolfman, Frankenstein, all that stuff yep. of, like, the sympathetic transformation protagonist. But then that, as I said, like the B movie, that's a certain kind of B movie. And then the other B Mm -hmm. movie, but yet comic book of those comic book things of like the swamp, the guns, the machismo, all that. Yeah, Um, totally. It's an interesting mesh of both those. And it was cool to see Wes Craven kind of like wrestle all that. Yeah, I think he was doing what he could to keep those balls in the air. Yeah, (laughs) 
You know, like he's um, obviously well versed in the horror, cinematic horror history realm. Well, or you know? it, I think so, it's more that he just. I mean, I'm sure he's versed in it, but I think it's more that he's just like who he is as a guy is just able to take an intellectual approach to it all and does his yeah opinionating enough research and whatever you know yeah yeah um, yeah what else <laughs> well that was cool yeah and then i liked this i can't think of any specific moments but the um if you call it the romance between between uh <laughs> cable. swamp thing and dr cable alice cable uh it was surprisingly i thought never too much that's, like, that's because we didn't get the uh, the oh, international yeah. version. Right. <laughs> no, but like you always thought, I don't know, like the whole movie was so hokey or whatever. And like you were, I was kept waiting for something that I thought maybe actually would have felt too much of not necessarily anything kind of like physical, uncomfortable, you know, something yeah. between them, but just this kind of like a, a bad hokiness or, you know, it's even something that would have been a little too hokey even for me in this context. Yeah. But it never went there. It was just like, there was a romance between them when they were humans and then just this kind of like um, more like, uh, you know, can never be actually together. So that's where the realm we're keeping it in. Yeah. And well, we still there's a respect and admiration there. Right. I think that's a big part of it. And I think that the go too far version of that probably is in the sequel with Heather Locklear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I don't remember if I said this on our last episode when we pulled Swamp Thing, but I was like, oh, yeah, I think Heather Locklear is in it. It may have been when we weren't recording. I was wrong. She's in the sequel. Yeah. Return of Swamp Thing. <laughs> Which I think is maybe the one that I saw. I, I think that's the one I saw, too, and just thought that was the one. I feel one. like that has, like, a bigger mansion showdown ending or something. Because <laughs> that's what I kind of remember. Because that's what kind of set they could afford. <laughs> yeah. Afford more. Okay. So specific things I kind of... Yeah. Loved. Okay. I'll oh, as far okay. To oh say, I know, not I know a couple of these. <laughs> the first I have a one, the first one to start in chronological order was uh, when Ray Wise catches fire and takes 28 seconds to run and stumble outside into the swamp. And we see him like do the whole thing and it plays in real time. It's like one of those moments that like, well, there's there's a dude actually on fire, first right. of all. <laughs> and usually, I don't know, you see that kind of resolve itself pretty quickly or be kind of a beat. Oh, I'm on fire. Get put out. Get put right. out. Or like you're running in circles and helpless right. to do anything or like put me out, put me out. This was like a just sort of, it was something like really horrific about it, actually, with like someone who knows where they need to go. Gotta get to the water, the swamp. But it's like kind of just it's, far enough yeah. where it's like I gotta <laughs> run on fire this long to get there I, I like, hadn't quite seen a uh, it, it, it breathed new life into the person getting set on fire in a film for me in a way I really loved I like that the flames were kind of tinted green in post <laughs> I didn't notice that <laughs> that's cool man he like explodes like, like explodes on him yep. and then he's just like, just like <laughs> runs out um, oh yeah so I love that that's good I liked um, the 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 formula 
I really liked the sort of the f- essence of what that represented, the functionality of it and the power that it had of like, that was a really interesting idea I hadn't quite seen before. It brings out more of whatever you are now, which was, we kind of were like, well, that's kind of plot holes. There's kind of a lot of ways to interpret that. <laughs> yeah. But, but I could see where that's they were going. Cool. It's, it, and it was at a comic book level where it's like, you kind of just give them the benefit of the doubt. Cause it's a comic book world. Like that. I could swear I have seen something that, that is that same concept yeah. and i can't think of where exactly. it's from so maybe it's... <laughs> but it's a good it's a good idea right because you can because it's just open enough for kind of interpretation yeah it it creates a lot of different directions you can go mm-hmm. right if it's so i think when the bad guy when we were like oh shit he's going to take it and he's thinking he's a genius and I'm thinking, yeah, but he's also a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, well, which is he going to turn into, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, what's it going to be? I think the Incredible Hulk actually does this um, in, well, in certain incarnations of it. The They've done it. It's strength coming out to yeah. physical strength. It's, it's your, yes, exactly. There's sort of, what is, what is your essence, mm-hmm. your, the quality of your essence? Yes. Right. And that's a cool, that's a really cool concept. Exactly. Um, Because, you know, assholes often think that they're awesome (laughs) and they're wrong. And then they get what's coming to them. Yeah. In this, in this certain construct, which I think is a cool, it's fun. It's like, it's cathartic when you go, ha ha, you fucking dumbass. You got, you got what you got coming to you. It, it, it keyed me into kind of like what I imagine is one of the appeals of comic books. And this being a comic book movie is you kind of have this, this be aesthetic and world, but yet you have these deeper ideas from that, you know, sci-fi, whatever situation. Totally. Um, yeah, there's a lot of morality stuff in this realm Mm -hmm. you know which is cool yeah i was i like that it's not just turning one into a monster or bringing out the monster in you yeah it can do that and i think when (laughs) when when arcane i think that's how you say is is yeah arcane the bad guy when he actually ends up drinking it and i'm like is he gonna he's gonna turn into a piece of shit i was like saying that in a joking way and then he like actually kind of does turn into a big yeah. pile of shit for a little bit and then he morphs into the wolf man and yeah. it's like whoa what the fuck and i remember you going look he is a piece of shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> it did happen um when when it started uh the uh, the main actor adrian bar barbo sure barbo um, it was kind of met to her, like, like just when she was showing up, it was just kind of like, I don't know if I quite get, you know, her, her star appeal or her actor appeal here. But as soon as she picked up a gun yep. and was just in go mode, it was like, oh, she's like a fun action star. And they yep. didn't give her anything to sort of let us on to that until no. it came on and it came on hard and fast. Yeah. And she, <laughs> she's clearly like athletic and... Um, what's the word? Shot a gun before. I mean, she, yeah, she's a, she's adept at like physicality, mm-hmm. like really clearly, like comfortable in her body, like can move. Right. I, I I initially thought to myself, oh, this makes sense. I think she was one of the Charlie's Angels, but she wasn't. No. 
So, you know, whatever, whatever she had, wherever she had come from, whether it was some sort of athletic background or, or not. Yeah. She's got that in her and it shows on screen it was, and it's, it's really appealing. Actually. Yeah. It was just like though the, when her character was being set up before that happened, there was nothing. It was like her character switched when she yeah. picked up the gun. There is some, well, <laughs> never mind. We'll get to it. <laughs> I was going to um, say. I was going to trash something. I already said uh, I liked, you know, I had fun keeping track of the bad guys and the bad guys. Okay. One of the first standout <laughs> scenes for me was, I think, like the centerpiece action scene where that, that made me perk up and be like, oh, this is the movie here happening. It was the boat scene. Oh, God. <laughs> what? Oh, God. Okay. What? Oh, God. Go on. <laughs> okay. That's where it really kicked in for Tim and I having fun with a swamp thing in the room where it was like there were all these shots of swamp thing, these choice shots of swamp thing kind of like getting shot and like falling off a boat where we'd just be like, Rah! you know, we just doesn't actually make those noises, but he just so is that, you know, <laughs> and then, or like where he, uh, like where they turn and he's just standing there all of a sudden, oh, yeah, you know. All those. And then it had like, um, it kind of like went on. It like, went on way too long. No, but it, it went on forever. But it went on in such a way <laughs> where it was like, oh, they're going, they actually are going for it and did it. Yeah. You know, I, I liked that about it. It wasn't just like, <laughs> I don't know. It, I was for, for the low budget they were clearly working on. I was pretty impressed with just sort of the amount they put in it. And one of my other favorite moments in it was there was the part where the the boat flipped over with the two bad guys in it and it was cut to slow-mo and it was just one of those classic like where the shot is slow-mo but their scream is like regular speed but they just like (laughs) dubbed it in layers so it's like the length of the oh cry you know yeah (laughs) any one of those those are good Um, yeah yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the I I didn't have this down, but just thinking about the little the little boy in it now. Like what? Wait a minute. Oh, right, 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 right. The glasses, the gas yeah. station worker like, guy. Yeah. For, he, he was such like an oddball little guy. I kind of uh I got to give him that. I had to look this up too cuz I was like, I don't feel like this is an original this is a character from the comic book <laughs> no like i don't not. feel like it he's not yeah they made it for the movie so that <laughs> so that cable had somebody to talk to because swamp thing ain't saying shit right you that, know what i mean so it's a little bit of a like you know you you get information yeah but well well i thought he it was an odd i thought it was an odd choice I just thought his casting just brought a little more, like, filled in the universe of this world. Filled in the world of this world, I should say. You know, that's it. That's actually a good point because there were a couple times before he kind of got introduced where I was like, where is this swamp? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then he gives it some grounding in, like, a real world thing. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, okay, he's a, he's a kid who works at this dilapidated gas station. You know, it's definitely, we're we're in the States. Mm-hmm. We're in the South. You know, like, this, the we're, it's re- super remote because, like, his parents aren't around, so he's just hanging. Yeah. You know, so it's like it gives you a broader sense of the world that we're in, and- which is good. I, I, I agree with you. That's great. When I said that, I actually, I guess I, that is why I said universe of the world and not world of the world. Cause I didn't even mean <laughs> real world context. You're totally right. But, and what I just meant was, um, 
the it's just another another color for the palette of this movie kind sure. of filled in what could have felt like we're kind of just it's a slog or we're trapped or we don't have sort of context it was just you know more non-setting context for like tone where what is this movie all that yeah fun well and this is i think this is a really big risk when you're making low budget stuff not, not to say that this was actually low budget but be that as it may mm-hmm. i've watched a lot of stuff that was shot for very little right either it's friends stuff or whatever and there is there is a commonality in in something that hurts the movie very often and it's a limitation so you have to find a way around this limitation but if you do not find a way to to kind of establish world and place somehow it really hurts the movie because you don't get that moment of sort of grounding where you go, okay, I know where you are. Yeah. So just a, a brief example is like, if you cut to a scene in a bar and you immediately start with the conversation of the two characters that are in your movie talking, you don't know where you are. You know you're in a bar, right? Because they're at a table. But you don't know the context of the bar the greater context of the bar in relation to how those characters feel about where they are. And so you see this in TV a lot. You just have that initial opening establishment shot, which points at, if you're doing it right, the context of how the main character is feeling so that you you don't have to have exposition talking about how they're feeling. So, for example, if you're in a bar, if you're a fish out of water and you're in this bar for the first time and it's a biker bar and you're from the city, you you open that shot with the biker bar and the rowdiness of that and then you push in onto the conversation. So you immediately go, oh, look at this person who's totally out of place. We now know how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. If you don't do that and you just start inside the conversation, it, it undercuts the audience's ability to get on board with where they're at. So you're talking about like how when Pee Wee goes to the biker bar in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, how we start out outside with him and hear the ruckus inside. Yes, that's exactly versus right. Versus not jumping in. Yeah. With it's just, it's a tiny thing. And it's a budget thing, right? Like a lot of time you're you're running and gunning with a budget. Well, I see it's more a screenwriting question of like, when we're told be. to be, you know, when you sort of are always asking how efficient, how what's the latest in the scene we can start. Mm-hmm. This is a good example of when not to start. Right. You know, at a certain. You can start in the middle of the conversation, but. Well, here. I, this, get, get out, you know, get an establishment of where we are. I it's, think this is an example somehow of maybe what you're talking about, but how, you know, films are aware of that, then play on that a bit. I think this is maybe what you're talking about, but um, the opening of Shaun of the Dead is a classic, I think, play on that, where I haven't seen it for a while, but I remember the intro is Shaun talking to his girlfriend and they're having like the serious kind of are we breaking up convo conversation or whatever. Yeah. And then it it keeps revealing that her his friends, their friends are there at the same time. So it's like we start in, it's sort of the opposite It's what you're saying, by denying the context and making it seem like sure. it's just the two of them first. And, uh, you know, play that for comedy of and it's not so much revealing what they're going through, but uh, who they are. That's right. Yeah. Who they are in this moment. Yeah. And they, so their find, friends are still along. Yeah, but. Finding creative ways to give the audience that 
is important and you know that's your job obviously as a filmmaker yeah. to to find those if you don't think about those and you just ignore you know looking for those devices it's gonna show in the product it's gonna feel lower budget and yeah. it's and just as a not even in terms of the budget as a viewer you're you're going to feel disconnected from it right if this whole thing had take if swamp thing back to swamp thing if we had never seen that gas station and we had only been in the swamp and in the mansion it could be fucking anywhere mm-hmm. you know what i mean we'd never get this sort of broader sense of of a world at any point and we would get tired of it and i you know yeah so it was fun in this to tie it back it was fun in this movie when it like when all the um all the other rich people showed up at the party because then it sort of was like oh it filled in about the character okay these people flew in or whatever yeah here they are i don't know yeah it was more more world building so we aren't just stuck in this house in the swamp and that's it and take a movie that does have you basically just stuck in a house the whole time like black cat yeah we did things to lead up to that Mm -hmm. to establish why they're there who it belongs to what the dangers potentially are Mm-hmm. You know, and then it goes even further as to set up this story aspect of saying that that place that we're going to spend the rest of this movie in was built on a totally not right. different place. That there's this underlying story stuff that we're we're given to broaden the world and to make it f- make sense when we do go into well, a different so setting. But, so knowing that you can also by knowing that you can deny having that. In you order to an if, effect. Like, let's right. say if you're trying to make the black cat from the perspective of the daughter who's been trapped there sure. the whole time. Like, and that would be, I am trapped here and this is all of a sudden the outsiders are coming in. Yeah. You know, different kind of horror. Yeah, different movie for sure. But yeah, anyway, that's sort of a weird tangent. But I think that the conclusion is <laughs> adding those things can be a very beneficial tool. Yeah. And this was a very comic booky, classic in a good way, comic booky way to do it, or maybe more movie way to do it of just having this new character sure. coming in the first day on their job, stuff goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. Pretty wrong. Yeah. What a bad day, first I love day. How, I love how he, throughout the rest of the movie, he just, I mean, we're assuming that this is taking place over many miles of swamp and every once in a while he just pops up it's like two acres maybe (laughs) yeah he just fucking shows up he's like jumps out from behind a tree and he's like hey cable you okay it's like holy shit where'd you come from i am always watching (laughs) i don't even remember if he actually how he talked in this because he had some pretty well i mean the little kid oh the kid yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he'd just show up i forget his name um gale or something like that that's wrong but whatever Uh, it was Okay, two more kind of moments to address here that stood out to me. Oh, my God, Tim. This was one of my favorite scenes I'd seen. (laughs) I know where you're going. When Bruno is given (laughs) the serum, the the formula. So we have one of our favorite henchmen. Oh, my God. I hope you guys watch this because this this scene was so great. It's on YouTube on movie clips. It's called, like, Bruno takes the thing or Bruno transformation scene or something. I really... I just called Bruno Fat Bruce Willis. (laughs) Yeah, basically. He looks like Fat Bruce Willis. But, yeah, okay, so there's so much going on. It was great because you had it, like... You have this 
the the horrible supervillain who's like using his henchmen's lives indiscriminately to and do... also just every once in a while standing with his shirt off for no reason yeah and who's <laughs> who's doing this freely in front of like investors or the public apparently as yeah, if whoever. like this is going to impress them giving this person who you'd think I'd have some sort of relationship with a fate worse than death arguably yeah you know um but it was like so so the context I loved all that you know that he's giving it to him without his knowledge we knew it was going to happen when it happened um then on top of the context how it played out was like <laughs> it was like it was is is indelible. You couldn't you couldn't direct it. I'm sure it was like you know, Wes Craven was probably like, uh, I don't you know, I don't know what you you freak out, whatever, like you know, what are you gonna do with it? But it was just kind of one of those performances where it's like you you think you have the actor figured out and it's kind of just operating at this pretty bland like or like whatever level. But then you just have them go to this really oddball place, like, you know, in a in a more like a, like a Harmony Corinne movie or something where you're just like, whoa, what was that was very human, you know, because it was so unique. But his freak out when he takes the potion, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It was like, you know, yeah. he, it was, he really and it, and it goes on. Yeah. He, they just left the camera. They're like, just go. Just keep yeah. going. Keep going. So what I'm saying is he went for it and did it. It wasn't any like. Yeah. Whatever prior conception for how to perform that there may have been. He didn't do that. He just made it honest, you know. <laughs> it was incredible. Well, and then the brilliance, then... the brilliance of this cut. Mm-hmm. It's not even a cut. That's what I love about it. What cut or when what he not falls cut. out of frame? Yeah, they don't cut away. And then when he's revealed, and then his his smaller self pops up. It okay, is, that I... is so hilarious yes well then the next thing i loved about that this is just so many angles i loved about this clearly but the actual makeup and design he like (laughs) shrunk to size and became this kind of like grotesque i say fate worse than death like pig like man yeah he's got this weird nose and like pointy ears yeah it was like like the sausage man yeah yeah and it was just like ugh, like how horrible like it was just kind of horrible but in the best of ways because it was like i was not expecting this and this is this is really the first moment that we are given that that idea of what the the serum yeah or the formula does to like what it actually does to you right oh it was so great because like bruno you know we cut to like he saves the day like two scenes later or whatever yeah yeah. and it was like you can imagine this whole other movie going on where it's like this side henchman character who's like you know third dimensional or or, you know one dimensional went through this whole character journey of like (laughs) what does it mean to i this what does it mean to be a henchman and this i've been a horrible person this whole time and then all of a sudden he's like coming and saving them like quick over here (laughs) yeah (laughs) i've always wanted to write a like a henchman movie like the second or third in command guy Mm-hmm. Which isn't mean, even a henchman. Do you remember but those like, deleted scenes from Austin Powers? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right in that sort of lane. But I love that idea of like a whole movie that centers around how that guy feels. Yeah. And like he goes home and he's like, God, what a fucking day. Call it the henchman. Yeah. I feel like this exists. Henchman. <laughs> um, but Bruno the henchman, man, yeah, he what a what a character. 
No one else really did, but he certainly went on the character journey in this film. Yep. <laughs> no one else did. <laughs> and then that leads us into the big ending. Oh, boy. Which was two men in rubber suits fighting each other. No, just kind of like doing what they can in this tepid water. Yeah. <laughs> I really water. was scared for them as actors. Yeah. Like if they fell in the water field in quickly. Uh, like, yeah. Which fuck. they did. Like Undoubtedly. This is, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly claustrophobic. The idea of being in a very restrictive rubber suit and then falling into water. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. That's the scariest thing in this entire movie. It, well, it kind for of me, is, <laughs> like hearing it now, it's kind of the reminder of, oh. you know, you've, you're an actor and, and acted, but, but this is why we have stunt men and women. Yeah. Stunt people. Um, and insurance. Yeah. <laughs> and doing things carefully and safely and giving it the time. But it was like, okay, yeah, for these things that give me that, like give us that gut, like, oh God, you know, that sounds horrible. That's the job of these people to yeah. to just go okay well no that's my job you know it's and it's kind of incredible yeah. but more context for this fight tim yes there it, it all clicked so this is the, the the main bad guy has now transformed into his inner Wolf. self no so tim this is what, what is said. it there was like when we were just watching it happen you you like you like yeah. ha- it was the feeling like you had your um you had your fingers on your chin and we're just looking at it kind of aghast. And you just stated, there's a pig wolf with a sword. <laughs> like You're like, what is that kind of like, what is life anymore? Yeah. I had an existential crisis <laughs> yeah. right in that moment. <laughs> and I'm, and that's what it was just like everything I loved, you know, like, like, uh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. This is on my mind. We were, we were jamming out in Elton John before this. I saw Elton John last night. It was incredible. And mm-hmm. my friend I saw him with, I was telling him, like, we were talking about his outfits and what they do. Like, it was showing, like, old footage of him when he was really going ridiculous where he's wearing, like, an Amadeus, you know, powdered wig. Where he's, yeah. He's dressed as, like, Donald Duck. You know, <laughs> just all this stuff. And I'm like, this is what, this is the stuff that goes inside the, um... The, like the Grateful Dead logo. This is the heady stuff. The stuff that's <laughs> sure. presented to you where it refuses it refuses the ability to reason. You know? <laughs> yes. And I'm all about that. I love stuff like that. Sure. And that was that all clicked for me when you were just your reaction to that, like, don't even bother throwing logic at this was there's a pig wolf with a sword. That's our starting uh, point, and that is also our end point. That is my last thing that worked for me <laughs> it actually is is the sword like the fact that there's a sword well, yeah. just that that's how we end up we end up with swamp thing taking the sword swamp thing yeah takes the sword and fucking s- impales pig wolf with it. <laughs> that so it in was, a swamp that is it was that the pig wolf hilarious. guy in his human form like had some sort of uh <laughs> like was a sword antiques collector or something he or lives in, in that some stuff. sort of mansion-y thing with like a dungeon so mm-hmm. great <laughs> and that was the end and i loved that about it and clearly i loved a lot in this film <laughs> yep well that's what i got do you want to that's move it on? that's all i got great let's go all right, what did not work for us? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. 
one did not work. <laughs> God. Don't let Swamp Thing hear. All as right. far as he's concerned, we only loved everything. I about mean, this it's movie. kind of all just the basic, like, era, budget, design for me. Yeah. It's like, I. This movie could have had everything I still loved about it and had the five million dollars more in it, you know. Yeah. And it you know how much this costs? No. Two point five <laughs> in eighty two. Well, eighty one technically, if that's when they that made is it. a relatively very that's, low budget. Yeah, but back then, that's that's decent. Yeah. For then. But like and they put it into God knows. Think of all the explosions. What. Like I guess. Think yeah. of all the people. The extras in it. Between... You know what they put it into? That fucking helicopter. <laughs> How about the Swamp Thing costume? This certainly not what they put it into. <laughs> Although I bet that costume was really difficult to fucking make. I bet you it was expensive. Yeah. It was probably a lot of people working on it. Yeah. It was kind it of... It looked like shit. <laughs> yeah. It looked... No, you know what it literally. Looked like? Yes. It looked to me like they took a wetsuit mm-hmm. that was two sizes too big for the guy who they're putting it on and they, and they, they didn't even spray paint it. They just took paint and poured it on it and then added some foam, you know, shit that they stitched into it. Yeah. Minimal. But like hard foam, it was more rubber. It was kind of like, he was so stiff all around. It was just like where, when you saw him take steps on, um, or take, take steps on steps on stairs. Sure. You could yeah. just see those rubber folds. Yeah. Just yeah, exactly. like so clear. Especially around his sort of midsection. Like if he bent over in any way, it was like, yeah, it was pretty rough. Yeah. I And this is not to diminish or disparage the people who worked on that. Cause I bet it was a fucking really hard thing to make. Yeah. Especially then. See, that's why but, I, I can, you know, I, I agree with this to an extent, but it didn't, it didn't detract for me because I'm just so, I just so admire anyone who still makes the thing on the budget, yeah. despite the budget. Well, and I would really love to see other designs mm-hmm. that, at the time. Like personally, if I was the person like say, having final say on on the look, I would have covered him in more like just actual moss. Just yeah. cover him in moss and fucking like weird viney looking shit. Yeah. But they didn't. And so you got this effect of this like suit. It's just a but suit. But like knowing it took another 35 years to get to the shape of water level. Sure. Like it again it made sense in context too. Like it wasn't just yeah. a budget thing. Yeah. Like or if it was a budget thing, like they would have this would have need to be like really like super innovative, you know, yeah, in technology, true. like a sort of next level budget. Here's what I'll say. The alien costume, like the alien. In Alien, yeah. In Alien, existed. Mm-hmm. Eight years earlier. Yeah. Never seen in this full outdoor light. Right. No, that's true, <laughs> and, you and can that's a actually, hard limitation, did, but still. Did you mention this on the show? I know you mentioned it to me, but how the alien looked wrong until they covered it with slime. Yeah, I don't know if I said it on the show, but yeah. Yeah, um, in camera. I like it. Swamp they, Thing could have been slimy. He had what? Please, more slime, everybody. There was like it's no slime. Best. It was kind of just like. Except in, in Irimentari. Oh, right, right, right. Remember, that was my big complaint. That's, that's in that? when you mentioned that's it. That's right, yeah. It's like but, I wanted more more glistening, slimy right. shit in that. Swamp Thing looked kind of grossly. Uh, 
dry. Yeah. The rubber just looked like bleh. Costume. Yeah, that bummed me out because I, I bet I actually am going to look at the other versions that have come since. See what six I know years the later t- it is. The TV, then I think it was the TV one in like the early 90s mm-hmm. is it, it's it's good and bad mm-hmm. for its own reasons, too. So, you know, it, I, I think he's, a, you know, this character is actually a hard design to to pin down in. Because it looks amazing, like, if you draw him comic book style, you can do all sorts of cool oh, shit. Yeah, looks... But trying to get that to translate into into real, you know... That's what I'm saying. We need, like, hard. modern technology yeah. to do that. Well, they're going to, so... <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, so this is what didn't work for you. I was fine. I mean, I'm, I, I obviously am talking about it. I acknowledge it. But it didn't not work for me. It didn't sure. not work for yeah. me. No, I get you. Um. Do you have more? I have more. Oh, yeah. The, uh, like I said, everything that I loved about the hokiness and the comic bookiness in that way. But the one thing that did make me just go like, eh. And maybe this wasn't actually that stuff, but the uh, dialogue it's, felt. It's rough. It was, it was, God, I, there was like a perfect example that I meant to remember the time, but I can't. But it was sort of like when they try to work in a certain quippiness <laughs> to it or a sort of yeah. like, this is just a little... This is just, this is obviously not how people talk, and it was. I kept thinking, well, maybe this is the exact kind of like I imagine this in the little speech bubbles, like yeah, that's a trap. But whatever this was was not working for me. I think we finally have gotten to a place in the evolution of comic book movies where directors have let go of the idea of it's a comic book. Mm-hmm. You that, know what I mean? Which is what I enjoyed about this is that it did have that closer tie to. Right. Um, but I think yeah. that it has gone through a weird evolution of it not working mm-hmm. like Ang Lee's Hulk. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. I mean, he th- that movie was a hair's breadth away from actually having thought bubbles. The best on probably screen. like comic book film in recent times. Some people... I feel like it's either love it or hate it, but Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That does a brilliant job of it. Yeah. I thought yeah. filmmaking wise, yeah. pretty stellar. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Michael Keaton Batman's an interesting kind of um, pinpoint yeah. example on that trajectory. Yeah, for sure. Um, I could do a uh, yeah. whole episode on comic book movies. Well, what else did you have that <laughs> did not work for you? Um, the... <sighs> The 1982 misogyny is pretty gnarly. You mean just, oh, well, what do you mean? Objectification, (laughs) you know, body objectification of the lead. The sexuality, like this, just, there's no, there is no reason to have a scene where Dr. Holland is being skeevy and lecherous that, and then it ends with him just kissing her aggressively and her going, I don't want, okay, it's fine. I hate I that. I thought she fought, I thought she, she kicked him back. in the nuts and then. No, the, <laughs> no, when they finally discover that the, the, the formula is Oh, working, doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I'm just like, <sighs> that trope of the, of the woman just sort of, you know, she she's she's initially against the the love interest like the aggressive love interest like um 
come-ons or mm. whatever they are. She initially, like, feigns, oh, you know, I, don't do that bullshit with me. And then, like, this, and then he basically just grabs her by the neck and force kisses her, and then she's okay with it. That, that concept makes me so fucking annoyed and uncomfortable. It's like, I'm glad, I hope we've moved away from that to a large degree, but it, it, like when you go back to the 80s, the 70s and the 80s have so much of that. It's so hard for me to swallow because it just in a broader scope is representative of the shittiness of the world mm-hmm. at that time. And and then you start going, have we moved on? Mm-hmm. And the answer is sort of mm-hmm. sometimes, but also not sometimes. And that then I'm like on a weird slippery slope of being mad at You're the You're saying like the the trope the by default the woman is into the guy from the get-go yeah and all it all it takes is him force forcing himself on her for her to to go oh Oh, i thought she was into him from the get-go i thought they were like she was they were like flirting well there was was that whole either way it was not consensual right but but what i'm saying is i read it as like she was pretty into him I, then, I read it. At, yeah, there's a little bit of that. Because was but, it was, but was there's it she the, like, oh, the oh, you are his, single. That's right. your sister. That's right. The misdirect of his sister. She thought his sister was his wife. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, why the fuck are you flirting with me? You have a wife kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And she's all fucking hard about it. Like, you know. And then when she finds out, she's like, oh, oh you fooled me. <laughs> you know, I just, there's a whole, it. I just think it diminishes the intelligence of, of any female character when you have them going, jumping through those hoops that end with her getting force kissed and, and like falling for the guy. Mm-hmm. I just, it's gross to me. It's fucking gross. Mm-hmm. So do, do better. I'm, I mean, now we, I think we, lots of people are doing better. Is this, but um... 1982, Woof. Was that kind of a predominant thing in comic books of the time, you think, too? That sort of... Ooh, uh, yeah, well... God, writing women to be that uh, kind. I, you know, it, I, that's hard for me to remember. But I'd have to go pull those, that era's comic books to yeah. see. But my kind of recollection... Yes, it, it yes to a degree. I mean, I'm trying to think of the stuff I read. I read a lot of Spider-Man, a lot of X-Men. It's funny because I could see that scene being handled in a way where it it could work in a mod okay a, a modern context way where I think you could do the same thing. Okay, I could be shooting myself in the foot here. I'm not an authority <laughs> on this, but like it could feel like it was in his character to just sort of be like, I just discovered the thing I've been working on for ten years. And like I kissed this person in front of me and had her given and then her response could have been played realistically where like I want to slap him, but then I don't, you know. So like, so here's <laughs> here's actually what I'm saying. This is the broader point. Mm-hmm. There is n- there is no reason for him to kiss her. Mm-hmm. Why? Why does why does romantic sexual intimacy have any any place in that moment it mm-hmm. doesn't but patriarchally if that's well a no word, I, I mean word, I'm, I'm saying like it's we, the classic I'm so happy I could kiss you but just but that, like that. that's what I'm saying that's what I'm saying there's uh-huh. this classic sense of of when we when when men succeed they get the girl mm-hmm. fuck that that's I didn't not see how it as so, him, so so yeah, I'm gonna give you a, 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 a totally different modern context for this of of a film that does it properly mm-hmm 
Mad Max Fury Road could have had Max and Furiosa have some sort of romantic thing. And in in historically speaking, they should have based on the tropes of screenwriting of the past hundred years. And George Miller just erased that or never even broached it in that film because it's it's unnecessary. It's that's not what what women should be. They shouldn't be representative of a thing to win in story. Yeah, they ca- they can exist in the sphere of romance. That's fine because that's a thing that exists in life. Mm-hmm. But when you write a story, a modern story at this point, I think it is it is stupidly um presumptuous that women's role in the story is to uh, romantically appease your male lead like why yeah fuck that i guess i just i could see it like where it's not romantic nor was she you know put as as the reward you know i think just by virtue of him placing himself on her in that yeah, way yeah yeah that's what that is yeah totally and i think Ma, you know now we we need to move away from that stuff as a trope because as we well know women are fucking like they're fed up with being treated that way mm-hmm. and rightly so like they didn't would it, she didn't ask him to kiss her would it what, <laughs> what, what would it have done if inferior i mean I'm just I'm just saying this because it's interesting. I'm just like no no I think it's apart. worth having the but like if advocate. in Fury Road, um, like I'm glad they didn't do this. But let's say in Fury Road it ended where it's like Furiosa is is stoked, and and like Max is right there, and she on her own sort of like does that. You know what? I want to fucking kiss this guy. All of a sudden, looking at him right now, I think he's kind of cute and sexy or whatever. I'm going to lay a kiss on him. It's almost non... I mean, it's sexual, but it's almost like, uh, I just want to fucking do it, and I'm going to do right. it, and we're in this world, and I, I just I just saved the day, so I'm going to kiss this guy, and I don't want anything more than that except to do this right now. I think that it would have felt incredibly out of character yeah no totally that's right? why i say it wouldn't have worked and so that's actually a good a, that's actually a good way to to, I, I to mention see it more why as a it, dynamic shift you know right but that's a good example because that in a way to me that kind of proves my point when you look at it in the in, in the fury road context and you say well why doesn't she kiss him we go oh because it doesn't make sense that's why it it's shitty that for the last hundred years it's been the other way around that we just accept that men can do that Mm -hmm. to the female counterpart. They shouldn't. It's it. There's no reason why it would be in Alec Holland's character to do that. Yeah. Right. But we, because that broader context of historically what we've seen over and over and over again, men doing that, we just accept it. We don't question it. But when you reverse it, like in Fury Road, you go, oh, that feels weird. Yeah, no shit, it feels weird (laughs) because it shouldn't fucking be there. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, rant over. (laughs) Um, It was this film, it was it fell into a kind of repetitive back and forth for me. it's, It's fine if they had done that while just giving it a little more like 
there was some other kind of increasing, decreasing stakes or something change going on. So I thought it was repetitive. I'm trying to coin a term here and it's story plotting because yeah, people say plot when they mean story. Plotting means how is the story plotted out? What it means, what are the sequencing yeah. of events to tell the story? I know you know this. I'm just saying it. And the story is the story, what happens in it, not how it happens. But I think they're confused a lot because and used interchangeably for you know for a reason because there is kind of a there is almost an in-between of those two mm-hmm. that we don't have something to refer to you know what i mean yes it's <laughs> like, like we're the, like the when they're working together when, when i'm not just talking about story i'm not just talking about plotting but it is something what i am saying refers to both you know so the repetitiveness um came from the story plotting <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I I think you can even magnify that specifically in that, like, even just in a technical way, where it's like something, something happens, uh, big confrontation, separation, shot of Swamp Thing by himself. Mm-hmm. And then that just kind of rinses and repeats. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of go, and then you get basically the same long shot of Swamp Thing <laughs> It, it maybe it's it's not exactly the same thing you just saw, but it's definitely they it's from the same take. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just <laughs> ten seconds later in the reel, and they just keep kind of doing right. that, and you kind of go, okay. And I I only Great. say this as it was it was merely a little too repetitive because the film was like eighty something minutes, and mm-hmm. it had luckily that boat scene as a centerpiece <laughs> that it was never. <laughs> That that the the repetitiveness was never too egregious for me, but it was like enough where it was like this could have been improved. Give it a little more something going on. You know, I think this this movie. Who wrote it? Wes Craven wrote it, right? Yeah, because it. Um, I remember thinking like, oh, this is him working. You know, getting his dialogue bearings as well. Yeah. So to me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. This movie really feels like a a television forty four minute episode. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's like an episode of I think A Team was twenty two minutes, but it feels like a two parter of A Team. Yeah, you know, so it would be forty four minutes of actual content, and that's kind of what I said about. To a lesser extent, uh, Blacksmith and the Devil. Oh, yeah, that's true. Parlamentari. Yeah, so, I mean, to me, it they did a bunch of padding out that to make it a 91-minute movie. <laughs> yeah. And it really, it, it, it budgetarily, I mean, surprisingly, had a good amount of money behind it, but setting-wise, film sort of technique-wise story-wise, everything fe- felt to me like a TV movie. Mm-hmm. Not even TV movie, but like an hour-long episode of TV. Um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth, I guess. It just... This could have been an episode of um, Million Dollar Man or Incredible Hulk. You know what I mean? It could have just been a side episode of those to, yeah. to me. And it felt... Well, it's funny because you're saying this and then it became a TV show. I know. I know. That's true. (laughs) So... The pilot. (laughs) 
Oh man, I just looked at a picture of his costume. <laughs> oh boy. Uh we were talking about like how this movie was juggling different <laughs> things. Things like the like like what I was saying, how I liked it was the old monster comic book as well as the old monster film. And there's like there's other stuff in it. You know, there's like it's how it's a combination of things. And it was cool that there was I could see this sort of balancing act and combining act going on with all that. Yet it never like totally found its groove. It never yeah. totally coalesced. No, that's I've yeah. Which I like completely agree. I'll hand it to him for uh, you know, juggling those balls as much as <laughs> he did, but but uh Yeah. Yeah, could have been could have kind of had that groove a bit more. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's lacking sort of a a broader cohesive like Yeah, it's, it's what is what is its thing? Right. What defines it as its own movie? And it's like we and could And it doesn't feel like it has to, that. Yeah, it's like we could point to all these things and yeah, we can point to all these things, but uh we shouldn't be able to as easily. I don't know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, did it feel to you like a Wes Craven movie? No, exactly. I think this is that's, a standout. That, to me, that's, that's a big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk more about that in Things of Note. Yeah, me too. Um, that's actually all I had for my what did not work for me. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me too. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? Uh, I mean, no. All right, things of note. <laughs> things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. So, I actually, I, there's some pretty, I mean, having said all of what we've said, there's some pretty interesting stuff around this. Yeah. Um, one of the things I read was, the fact that Wes Craven, this was like an, an opportunity for him to show that he could do action. And he took it on specifically one, I mean, obviously more than one reason, but like this was one of the big this reasons was, he did it because he's like, I need to prove to the right. studios that I can do big action sequences. It's like the equivalent of Tim Burton doing um, Batman after Beetlejuice and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Sure, yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, that's pretty fucking cool and interesting and, you know, yeah. take it for what well, it's Well, to stay on, yeah, the Wes Craven, we had just mentioned it ending our last segment. Um, it's, yeah, it, it was really interesting how this was, as I said, a, a uniquely apart from the rest of his filmography and kind of what it, what it feels like. Like, there's some elements in it where you can say he touches on later, you know, thematic things, whatever, but it's really... It being a comic book movie, I guess, is uh, it's pretty different. But what I thought was interesting is like twofold. You can kind of observe him getting his bearings. Like this is sort of pre when his Wes Cravenness kind of like. I mean, I liked his you know Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, but uh, this was the one. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is when it was like Wes Craven. You yeah. know, he figured it out, so to speak. Right. You know. But it was interesting to see this film in the um, context of his uh, experience tra trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it is God, that's ri- writing wise, which would make me go a little, uh, you know, in some parts with dialogue, but uh, just for context. Yeah. But directing wise, it was cool to see him. His first movie, out. which was 10 years earlier, which is, wait, I don't know if that's his first film. Uh, Last House on the Left. Yeah. Is that his? Yeah. And his then. first one? So that well, movie, No, actually, I read he. He's probably. He under a that. pseudonym made uh, porn films. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. But it's just for context. The budget on Last House on the Left was eighty-seven thousand. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and then um, the budget for Hills Have Eyes, which is a, I think, quite a big step up, um, <laughs> was. I mean, it's listed as somewhere like half a million, somewhere between three hundred fifty thousand and seven hundred thousand. Yeah. So probably half a million. And then so, he did a TV film, I believe, and then this. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just think it's interesting. He he got a lot of money comparatively to do this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in in doing what we're saying, like in in trying to reach to prove that he could do these like stunt pe- set pieces and action and all of that, you know, maybe that took away from his what his his real skills as a filmmaker were. And and those got kind of I think lost in this movie, mm-hmm. um, because he's trying to accomplish this other. Well, thing. Well, it's cool because you kind of I oh god you know I was I was reading stuff through and I forget exactly what it was, but something about he got the idea for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street while doing this film. Oh really? Um, That's I, cool. I, sorry, I forget exactly what it was, but um, what I was gonna say oh, I think was interesting is how Nightmare on Elm Street did come right after this film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, less so just the idea leading to it. It's neat to think that's a sort of movie that didn't... I'm sure he was aware it didn't totally click. And maybe he wasn't, you know, realized he didn't have his heart set in making action films, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's neat to sort of see him maybe um, taking a step back after this, you know, like David Lynch after Dune and being like, okay, mm. what am I doing? Right. What's what's you know you learn a lot about how to how to follow your your intuition when sort of making a film that maybe uh, where you drop those few balls when when uh, <laughs> when when juggling them. Yeah, yeah. That's all filmmaking is. <laughs> that's tr- that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Do you have more to say about him or the filmmaking mm. specifically? Because I kind of want to just talk about Swamp Thing. Maybe this is a good transition into what you're talking about. If you want to talk. So, I, and I'd already said this. So see if you can use this as a transition. But where I said, like, this is a true comic book uh-huh. movie. Uh, I just thought it was interesting. It helped me put in that context of thinking, like, Marvel movies aren't comic book movies. They're Marvel movies this is a comic book movie. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you go back and wanted to read that first volume run of Swamp Thing, it would it would kind of... Th- th- this movie is, is kind of a logical next progression. Mm. It's not great in comparison, but it you get why at the time that's what they... That somebody was like, hey, we should make this comic book into a movie. Yeah. Um, but... Just for for a little bit of broad context of who Swamp Thing is. I want to know. (laughs) Okay. So 
he was created by a writer named Len Wein or Ween, but I'm pretty sure it's Wein. It's W-E-I-N. And the artist is this guy, Bernie uh, Wrightson. And if you look at some of that early art, man, it is, to me, it's really cool shit. Like, mm-hmm. it's just fucking cool and weird and fucking trippy American gothic you fucking what is going on. Um, so it's cool, but... So, history of Swamp Thing. All right. So, let's see. It's it's very close to the movie in terms, but they did change a handful of things. So, it is a guy named Alec Holland. That's, that's all right. But it was his wife was Linda in actuality. And the cable character was, a, was an FBI agent who was a dude, mm-hmm. Matthew. And they become Matthew Cable and, and Swamp Thing become pals and whatever so some of the cool stuff about swamp thing and the progression of how they initially conceived of him was pretty similar to the movie you know he the serum and he like in order for swamp thing to become swamp thing he has to he has to burn like like the human aspect of it has to die in fire um and then they opened up all of this um this sort of mythology around the fact that there's a thing called the, um, uh, oh shit, what is it called? Hang on a second. <laughs> the Parliament of Trees. <laughs> and the Parliament of <gasps> Trees. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> so the Parliament of Trees, <laughs> I believe, was not introduced until after that first run. And it was one of the things that Alan Moore introduced. And so they took this idea. The original idea kind of is just a, a, a sort of a Dr. Doctor Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, like it's a guy who turned into a monster and is trapped inside of that monster thing. When Alan Moore, and, you know, and antics ensue, Frankenstein type thing and all of that. So after that first run, they hand it over to Alan Moore, and he just expands the the mythology of it in in these. What's the Parliament of Trees, Tim? So I want to know in this crazy way. So he he basically makes this decision to say that Alec Holland, the original scientist who died, is not Swamp Thing. That that Swamp Thing is the product of an elemental, uh, sort of ex- pre-existing creature. That has spanned that's the, what, the yeah, eternity, I, I, right? I understand elemental, yeah. Right. That, the golem. You and know. yes, and that the Parliament of Trees is sort of a group that that kind of oversees the the creation of those things and kind of says yay or nay to who has died in fire and then had the 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 elemental sort of uh, attributes imbued upon that creation but so the new version of swamp thing is that by alan moore is that swamp thing is is just an elemental creature he is not alec holland he just had absorbed alec holland's memories and sort of the things because that was the the body that he came from so it's like it's kind of like the crow when something really bad like somebody's wronged really badly and they die because of it the elemental aspect then says, okay, this is the, we need to right these wrongs. Yeah. And so they attach to that body. And so there's this whole run during the Alan Moore stuff where, um, 
Swamp Thing has this major crisis because he's introduced to the Parliament of Trees and told that he's not actually Alec Holland. He's been thinking he was this whole time. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You just have all of his, all of that human who is now dead's memories. And you're mistaken. You are this other creature. Hmm. You're just Swamp Thing. And he has this like major crisis of like, <laughs> you know, identity and all this shit and comes through it. And then, you know, and then off to the races with all sorts of cool shit. You know, he meets people like John Constantine, who we've you've probably Keanu all Reeves. seen. Yeah, the Keanu Reeves movie with it, which I quite like. Um, but like, you know, it, it broadens up like what Alan Moore did just opened up a whole new fucking thing. And it, it it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Grant Morrison at one point got a got a hold of it. Um there was co- like co-written by um Mark Millar who's done a I know fucking a bit about ton Grant shit. Morrison. Yeah, Grant's an interesting guy, right? <laughs> he uh he's um uh, a magic with a K practitioner who summoned John Lennon and wrote a new John Lennon song, which <laughs> I listened to and sounds like a new John Lennon song. Holy shit, that's amazing. Mhm. Um, so yeah, there's some cool shit. If you, if you're interested, I would, I would recommend, I think the one that I've heard recommended to me is, you mean mean, out of the Alan Moore ones, he wrote a few. Yes. He was on it for a while. Like what's the original one? If I wanted to, well, you would just, I think at this point you could just look up volume one. Okay. Right. That's the original run. And then you could, obviously, volume two is the Alan Moore stuff. Um, I do believe it got passed on during volume two to some other writers and such. Yeah, Grant Morrison was in volume two. So, but there's some cool shit in there. Volume three is cool, blah, blah, blah. But there is this, um, so all of that stuff was not in the DC universe up until a certain point. And then they, they combined. I think they got bought by DC or whatever. I'm not sure about that. Um but they they combined the the universes at a certain point and um uh let's see there's a there's a run called brightest day it's a big crossover event that i've heard is pretty fucking cool okay so that might be a good one to look into if uh, you're into this shit um, so i'm anyway. i'm not as into this so uh <laughs> this may be my limits on <laughs> talking about just in comic book uh terms now i said i was interested in hearing your comic book perspective and i got it though it was interesting <laughs> but the last thing i'll say is two things um almost every every person who becomes a swamp thing has the initials a and h there have been a bunch um alec holland albert hollerer uh alan hallman <laughs> aaron haley Calbraith A.H. Rogers. That's a okay. cheap one. They really punted on that. Um, but yeah, he's he's a interesting character. Super, super powerful. Like, one of the more powerful heroes in the universe, DC universe. Well, he didn't seem to care much about those bullets. <laughs> yeah. He and he can't, can... Oh, yeah, we he didn't even mention hurt. his healing powers. Yeah, he's a plant man. Yeah. He's, oh, he's a plant man. <laughs> <laughs> and his arm grows back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool shit. Um, That's the... it. That's all I got. So, so there is a whole filmschoolrejects.com. They have a series of, like, things we learned from the commentary track. 
So there was a 23 things we learned. I skimmed them all and just thought I'd pick the one that was most interesting. It was all pretty interesting, but the one that stood out to me, because I think it sort of pertained most to stuff we had already been talking about or were interested in. Okay. A quote poll from Film School Rejects, this article. Uh, So Wes Craven, he tried to keep Ray Wise in costume throughout the film so he could emote as Swamp Thing, but since he looked just so clearly different from... So this Durdock, they ended up using none of the footage. So until that realization, Craven shot each scene featuring the swamp thing twice, one with each performer. So at Holy a certain shit. point up to the movie, he was still using Ray Wise, thinking it made a difference. Whoa. <laughs> That's where all the budget went. Right. <laughs> so like, I was thinking this whole time, like, oh, you know, I wish Ray Wise was in it more. He possibly was, but we just wouldn't have any <laughs> idea. That is crazy. Um, <laughs> and speaking of uh, D- D- Durock, that's his name, Dick Durock, Durock, who played Swamp Thing as Swamp Thing. So, a, but way a bunch. He wasn't yeah. just him in the the original. That's what I was gonna say. I thought yeah. it was really interesting how he, yeah, he went on to play him. He's a continuity in the sequel, the nineteen eighty nine sequel and the TV series. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but and he made another uh, uh one of his other appearances, which was like, uh, I thought a good, you know, we're we're getting toward the end here. Fun thing, he was one of the uh, county fair pie eating people in stand by me <laughs> which one uh it says in this way that he was the champion so i don't know if that was the reigning champion or if there was one that was like a clear winner but uh watch it again and i'm sure yeah. we'd recognize uh that's one of the Manny. grossest scenes <laughs> of anything i've ever seen in my life and memorable and wonderful i disagree that it's wonderful it's <laughs> tell that to our bud mikey Beatty. i know it's one of his favorite movies I, I love that movie. That scene, it, I can't watch it. You don't like it. vomit. I, can't, I hate vomit so much. I hate it so much. It's not even fun for me that it's so over the top and ridiculous. I just don't. I just close, I close my eyes. It's one of, it's, I don't want to hear it. It's so good. No. Um, <laughs> okay. So do you have anything else? Because I have the what I'd like to wrap up on things. I note. don't. Um, so it's, it's fun. You know, I don't do this for everyone, but sometimes when reading about them, I'll stumble across the Roger Ebert review and there's usually something fun in there. I'm sure. Um, so, so a couple pulls from that I wanted to read because this, uh, I had already, I had already, you know, done my notes and decided, you know, there's actually a lot in here I liked, but it seemed like Mr. Ebert, uh, agreed with me. (laughs) He said, so... But after the thugs fill him, you know, after the thugs fill Swamp Thing with machine gun bullets and hack off his left arm, Alice asks, does it hurt? And Swamp Thing replies, only when I laugh. That was the movie's moment of greatness. There there are others that come close, as when Swamp Thing dripping with moss and looking like a bug-eyed spinach souffle says, there is great beauty in the swamp. If you know where to look. Yeah. Which like Tim, you were immediately like, oh my God. And I was like, yeah, but I kind of like it. I don't know. I mean, it's true and it's pleasant. Yeah. 
But in the context of that particular movie, in those moments... No, but what other movie is about a swamp person that takes place entirely in a swamp? <laughs> okay, fair point. <laughs> I think when that when that line is surrounded by the, the schlocky bullshit that, like, Ram- fucking Frank Stallone fake, fake Rambo is, is doing and the, like, shitty misogyny, I, it's hard for me to... to put my brain in a place to appreciate that line but i guess again it's like when else are you gonna yeah do it and then um you know something i, I really miss about roger ebert where you know the way he had a, um, made a little piece out of each of his reviews so with that set up uh the last line in um in his review with that context well you know sort of used to sum up our discussion of swamp thing is he said there's beauty in this movie if you know where to look for it oh Swamp Thing. <laughs> Please put the music in right now. <laughs> Great. Oh, man. We did it, Swamp Thing. I guess he left. Yeah, he was listening with uh, his little ear hole to the yeah. door the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you liked it. Recommendations. I I watched Suspiria, the new Suspiria. Oh yeah, I still haven't seen it. I'm kind of bummed I missed it in theaters in case I loved it. Man, it is a movie. I've heard such mixed things. I'm I'm actually mixed about uh, like I think I need to watch it again. Well, you're uh we're on recommendings or recommendations, so you brought it up because you're recommending I it. I am recommending it. I think you I think it it needs to be seen. Okay. But I actually think that you got to go watch the first one. I admit, oh, man, I don't know. I think I think the right way to do it actually may be to watch the new one first and then go back. Mm. I think that's better. Because I watched the old one a couple, few months ago, and I was kind of like, what the fuck is, am I even looking at? <laughs> so I think it'd be better to do it the other way around. Mm-hmm. So watch both. New one first old one next it's fucked i mean there's some shit in that movie okay cool it's cool but worth seeing definitely definitely Great. worth seeing i'm just yeah again i'm bummed i missed it in theaters thinking yeah oh, what too. if i did love Stupid. it um i want to recommend ed nay a movie nay a podcast nay a show Ooh. nay a restaurant which we have had one recommendation <laughs> of <laughs> But a um, an email list from Whoa. one of my favorite, um, one of our favorite, you know, things we mentioned and source our horror movies from is Shudder. Yeah. The subscription service is doing a lot for horror. Um, but they have a, a mail, they're, they have, yeah, a mailing list called The Bite by Shudder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm it's just that. so cool. And that was, getting that was when I was like, when we were starting this podcast and we were like, oh, do we want to like update with the news da, da, da. i'm like but there's i feel like there's other things that do that this is it just go to subscribe mm-hmm. to this the bite by shutter it's great because they have like a fun little sort of ongoing series whatever it may be right now they're doing sort of a state by state in horror history like talking about picking a state and what movies are shot there cool then they sort of do a short list of just sort of any of like the updates in horror movies books whatever's going on in the world of horror and um, it's great. And I, I, I get everything I know from that, you know, and it's like once a week or two weeks or whatever. It's not too overwhelming. 
It's just a little little bite. It's one of the only kind of mailing list things I have right now I look forward to. Sweet. The Bite by Shudder. The Bite. All right. Cool, man. Uh, next week's film. All right, let's do it. Wait, did I, who's... Okay. Did I pull this? Now did I, got, I, pull, I think you pulled Swamp Thing. Did, oh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Let's look at our... We got to stay on this. So, so we know you... <laughs> wait, we had this last time. I pulled Maggie because I did the Arnold voice when I pulled it, which means you pulled Ghost Stories because you said I wanted to see it, which means I pulled Planet of the Vampires, yeah. which means you pulled Arnold, which means I pulled Swamp Thing, which means you pull. Yeah, this baby. Film. Here we go. Whoa! I almost spilled the hat. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I guess appropriate since I just recommended Suspiria. Opera, Dario Argento. Cool. Yeah, man. Great. Cool. Get back into the the yellow yellow fog. How yeah. do you say that? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I it. just don't. I don't even bother. Yellow. That's what I say. <laughs> Great. We'll get ready for some, some of that more dubbing you love so much. My favorite. We saw on Planet of the Vampires. Uh, well, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com if you haven't already. My name's Ryan McDuff. We should just remember to say our names at the beginning. That's true. I'm Ryan. I you can see you can see your por- my portfolio site at ryanmcduffie.com. There's a link to it, and we have Tim and I have little bio sections on our website. Yeah, you can get to us from that, and then I'm um, yeah. My name's Tim Aslan, and we have some uh, some handles. I got the uh, the Instagram is uh, dismembering horror, Twitter is dishorrorpod, and uh, website is dismemberinghorror.com. And is there anything else we have? That's it. Yeah, we have an email which we need to. Oh yeah. Which oh god, we need to connect our emails to that. It's been way too many episodes. <laughs> we just assume no one's heard us. <laughs> Meanwhile, somebody's asking to give us a bunch of money. Yeah. They're like, we'll give you. Even if we have a single recommendation, <laughs> Deadshin, it's like. I thought I had that, but I guess uh, that... cool. You did you listen by the way to our last week's episode because I was kind of trolling you slash Easter egging you with the last I, I, I didn't finish it so I gotta finish it. All right, well never mind. Well we're <laughs> we're ending uh, back to back to our normal outro music here. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Oh, see ya. <laughs> ah!